2: To the Recovery Hour. Once again, this is Bill and Tanisha, and we have the privilege to bring you a powerful message. As always, we always say that we're bringing you a treat, and we haven't lied to you yet. You're, hopefully, you're still getting it. Today, we have faces and voices of recovery on a lot of different levels. We have generational recovery on a lot of different levels. We're going to have a candid conversation with you today about what's possible, and what drives us, what puts the batteries in our back. But before we get off to the cosmos, I would be remiss if I first didn't say, Tanisha, say hi to all the people out there at Radio Radioland that say you are the voice of the future.
0: Hello, everyone, out in Radioland, out in Facebook, media, across the airwaves, anybody who can hear the sound of my voice, hello, hello, hello. I'm just grateful to be back, to be a part of something positive, in my life today and um just being a part of change positive change so i'm just grateful to be here again another week
2: wow thank you tanisha anyway we also i'd like to shout out to some of our sponsors the stepping up initiative the national initiative that's been adopted here in rockdale county the purpose of which is to reduce the number of people in jails that have substance use disorders and uh, mental health challenges and are just feel like us on the inside and the outside I would also like to say shout out to Commissioner Doreen Williams, who is the tip of the spear, who has been instrumental in creating recovery systems here in Georgia. And I'd just like to shout out to her because without her, sometimes the, we have to just not push from the bottom. Sometimes we have to push from the top. And she has pushed from the top and the results are monumental in what we do, in what we're doing. So shout out to her. Anyway, with that being said, brought together a group of my powerful partners today, and today we're going to talk about this blessing of recovery when you come through the service entrance. A lot of us have had an opportunity to serve people by getting certain certifications, which are, for us, are opportunities, uh, powerful opportunities. Here at Grit and Grace, which is a recovery community organization and addiction recovery support center, we have an opportunity to partner with a multitude of people that come from all different dimensions of our society. Every every man or woman who comes through the door has the same option and the same opportunity to find holistic recovery, and that's why we patronize multiple pathways, and today we bring in partners from many of those pathways. And we want to have a courageous conversation about some things that obviously are important to us. And if they're important to us, that means they're important to somebody else that's going to hear the sound of our voice today. So one of the things that I think is really relevant for us today and um, a lot of people, there's a lot of uh, stigma and bias and judgment around the word recovery some people think that recovery means one thing what was wrong with you or um about drugs or alcohol or something like that uh we have come to understand that that's what treatment is about recovery is about what's right with you and understanding how do we build on that how do we find the gifts and and the 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 skills and, and the 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 thing that puts the batteries in our back, and how do we bring together groups of people that have that similar understanding and create a system of delivery for all people that 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 we can, like when we sit here and we look around this room right here and we see the diversity in this room, and, and it don't matter where we came from, what matters is where we're going, and, and we know we're a we, not a me and a you and the they and the them, we're a we, and, and everybody here feels that, no matter how old you are, it don't matter... What, what your, you know, historical significant failure was. Uh, together we are stronger and today we're moving forward. So, uh, but today we kind of want to drill into mental health and we choose to call it wellness. And, and I know there was a time that when you said mental health, people said diagnoses, people said they had all kind of negative terminology. Let me see your record. Let me see your jacket. Let me you? see your history. What's wrong with you? Uh, oh my God, he's a uh, or or he did or she said what? Well, oh my God, right? And and today, um, I'll never forget when I first came in and they asked me. One of the organizations who was a major uh, health organization asked me to come and speak. And when I went and spoke at that thing, they had that lady who asked me to come to speak. She called my boss at my job and said. Maybe y'all want to get Bill checked out, cause he seemed pretty manicky when he did his presentation last time. <laughs> My supervisor was livid. <laughs> she said, "Man, they're trying to cross you, man. You know, you know what I'm saying." And and I was new in the field, and I didn't know what that meant. Today, I understand that that very thing that she was talking about is the thing that a lot of people pay a lot of money to get me to come and do. And it, it, it's called motivation. It, it, it's not a it, it's not mania. <laughs> It's energy. And, and if I can figure out how to feed that and focus, that, it's the most powerful thing on earth, because that way I can have a conversation with somebody and, and it goes on the inside of them. It doesn't just bounce off their face. And, and so so I want to ask you guys a question. What does mental health recovery, what does that mean for you? And I'm going to start with you, Lydaris. Tell the people out there who you are and why you're here today.
3: My name is Ladera Mitchell, and I'm a person in long-term recovery. And and what does mental health recovery mean for you? To that, well, mental health mental health recovery means to me someone that faces certain challenges and challenges in life. You know what I mean? And and that's and that's trying to trying to get it right. You know, um, I I I suffer certain certain challenges myself. You know what I mean? That I'm working on and. Um, and and I think
2: I think that's what it is. Yeah, and, and so look let me ask you, T, what does mental health recovery mean for you?
0: You know, I have I have come to realize just since I came into the world of recovery that for me, I don't I don't think it's about a diagnosis. I think everybody has a brain. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody has mental capacity, so everybody has, and I don't know if it's just everybody has a certain point in their time where they're going to be challenged with something, whether it's depression, life is going to show up, so it's going to affect you mentally in a specific way. Um Yes, there are people with diagnosis. Yes, they, you know what I'm saying, but that's that's the same as, you know, if you have a diagnosis for diabetes or arthritis or any other thing that you have to take care of that thing, right? But I don't, I think that the way the world, I'm glad the world is kind of shining a light on mental health and mental wellness because there's so much stigma attached to it that I know for me, people didn't accept it. It was almost, it was so much shame attached to mental health and mental wellness that, you know, now it's becoming more common to address things that are affecting you mentally instead of you growing up in an area where, well, ain't nothing wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? You just, this, he this just Uncle acting Frank out. To... He just don't like coming out. It's, it's something causing that and the fact that we're, now we're addressing it and there's no shame behind addressing it is the biggest thing.
2: Yeah, you know, thank you for sharing that, T. And I, I know that for me, Today, and and there are certain concrete diagnoses and, you know, just like there are certain other illnesses or whatever, and and those things obviously need to be addressed. And then there's also situational occurrences that impact our balance. And and, and so for me, uh, mental health, recovery, or wellness is about balance And, and things are going to happen. That are going to tilt that scale and and that's why I'm grateful for the literature because it says all of our maladies are spiritual in nature and and when I today is not about what's wrong with me but it's about this this knowledge that we share about dimensions of wellness and how my spirituality and how how the people that i i I bubble with and and what i eat and and, and am i drinking water or or all of those things come together to make me more balanced right and 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 if i'm not spiritually fit then people say he sure is aggressive you know You know what I'm saying? They call you dangerous. Then they start to label you this and that and this or that, right? And and when I found God, found out how to pray and and, and how to kind of manage my emotions and all that kind of stuff, then now people just say, oh, he's a little strange, right? But, but, you know, they're never going to say he's okay, especially the people that work next door. But anyway, so let me ask you a question, Marcus. What does mental health recovery mean to you? Um, my name is Marcus. I'm a recovering addict. Um, uh, I'm a, uh, mental health recovery. Me to
4: me is, uh, like you said, balance. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, a person that suffered from mental health, uh, from incidents that I've had over the past that I've tried to tuck down. And when they were, didn't feel comfortable with sharing with people, um, that caused me to have PTSD and anxiety and depression and, uh, uh I used to try to cope with uh with the dope. You know what I'm saying? I try to balance myself with with dope. And um I know now that it's very important to take my medicine, you know, to keep me balanced. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's very important to to um
2: to to, to pay attention to that and, and to see about it. And, and I want to thank you for saying that, Marcus. And and that's one of the things that a lot of us in the field have studied and, and people there's a whole to mention the domain and movement toward understanding trauma-informed care, because all of us have, have experienced some trauma, whether it was familial, whether it was personal, whether it's societal, whatever, and, and that you have some perceptions about, I need to defend myself from this. And, and, and in that defense, people say, ooh, <laughs> you understand. And because and, I can't let that happen to me again. Uh, for a lot of us that did time, and and, you know it gets greasy in the dark right so we you i can't let nobody try me and i can't you i don't know you're trying to flex on me and all that kind of stuff so then i become this aggressive person that solves my problems with fear and intimidation and her, you know and, and just understanding all of that and how that is something that's i'm being informed by my past by my fears and, and that's causing me to react to certain things and, and feel certain ways and, and not say certain things. So I want to thank you for really just bringing that to the forefront. And that's why it's so important that we study those dimensions, trauma-informed care and trauma-informed services, right? Uh, Simca, Simca, uh, what does mental health recovery mean to you? And uh, that, my
5: name is Simca Shannon. I'm a high school senior right now go oh, to Arabian Mountain, I don't know if all that, but mental health recovery means to me is finding the root of your cause, why do you feel like this, and how can you fix this, or how can you better help yourself, and I feel like you need someone in your corner, you're only talking to yourself, that's only one person talking to you. you're going to think one thing, so if you think I don't deserve to live, I don't deserve a happy life, that's what you're going to have and you're going to just think negative negative thoughts so finding someone or find people in your life to talk to
2: and have positive things to think that's great for mental health recovery yes Her line's a little. <laughs> it, it might it, be bigger it, it's unfortunate when you say something really powerful nobody's going to be able to hear it but anyway because that was super powerful i just know people are going to be able to hear it chris what does mental health recovery mean for you
6: i think there's two parts to mental health recovery my name is uh my name is Chris. I'm a recovering addict, yeah. and um, there are two parts that I believe fall into yeah. mental health recovery. And one is the major half of it, just stepping through the door, because it's really scary having a mental illness, especially when when you're younger and you just start uh, experiencing symptoms. So for me, one half of it is going through that door, and the second half is just honesty with the doctors. They'll work with you. They'll explain everything to you. They you need to be explained to you in pamphlets, and it's just you just have to keep honest with yeah. them if you really want to recover. Yes. Woo!
2: That's powerful. Yes, sir. Boy, that'll preach, man, or teach—either one. It
0: is our extreme pleasure to have such strong community partners, such as Viewpoint Health, to join us in our journey to recovering individuals as well as systems and procedures. Viewpoint Health offers an array of services and resources for individuals with mental health challenges, substance use challenges, as well as intellectual and developmental disabilities. To connect with them, please visit their website at www.myviewpointhealth.org or you can call 678-209-2411.
2: Tell the people out there your name and tell them what does mental health recovery mean to you? I'm recovering. like my name is Reggie. I want to thank God for being here today.
7: Mental health is a restoration for me because I know I had a mental health situation because I was locked up in a war where I couldn't get out on my own. Why? Because of the overdose off the drugs. I'm going to start coming down. I start behaviors. That was normal. I, I, the doctors recognized it, and I recognized it. And when I was able to get clean, it helped my restoration. I can realize and look back to see the behaviors that I had, the insanity I was doing, was due to the fact the drugs I was taking. When I got clean, and I realized that if I have a situation, and I sit and talk to my brother about it, I, like the young lady said, I get a different aspect of it, not my own thinking. And I rely on my own thinking, and I rely on my own attitudes and behavior. What by somebody. I said, Bill, listen, I'm thinking what running across the street like this. when said, that's not a good idea. Yeah. And I have to be open. I have to be open to what, to, to what, what you said to me. Yeah. Whoever says something to me. To take a look at it, even if I don't recognize this at the time, even though if he says to not hurt my feelings, I still got to take a look at it because I realized what I was doing. Because I did have a mental yeah. situation going on. I'm, I know that. I thought about it. I'm not ashamed about it. I'm not embarrassed mm-hmm. about it. Why? Because I come in and shame. Yes, they help me to get better. But that's my key. Getting better help somebody
2: else to get better. There you go. You just hit on a powerful thing. You know, Getting yes. better and partnering with other people to get better. Yeah, that's right. And I think, I think Red's hit on something really important. And, and for those of us that have been in the literature, we understand the unparalleled therapeutic value of one person who's had a similar experience helping another person who's having that same experience. Because I can't say you don't know. I can't say I can't devalue what you're saying uh, when I'm ready, like Chris said, to get honest. Carol, what does mental health recovery mean for you?
8: For me, going off of what Chris said about the medication, being honest—that's where it is with me because you you have to you have to identify it and understand that you have this issue that you may have covered up with the drugs, but then when you start to treat that issue. Is good being like in a recovery environment so you can see people actually living with it and dealing with it and being uh, uh, successful with it, you know, that uh, mental health is not just, you know, laying down and doing nothing, that you can actually work with it and learn how to make it work in your life.
2: And, and so I want to ask you guys another question, and I'm only asking half of y'all, but Describe for me a turning point in your mental health or your dual recovery where you felt empowered to take responsibility for your own choices and decisions. What? Tell me what happened and what you did when you finally decided to okay. gain and pow. I know for some of us it was NA, for some of us it was AA, for some of us it was for, it was NAMI, for some of us it was the Georgia Mental Consumer Network, for some of us it was Georgia Council on Substance Abuse, for some of us it was all that. Right. All those different information streams to let me know other people have had this similar experience and recovered. other people manage it like this. other people work the steps like this. other people have support groups like this. I'm not an alien there I'm a being, a human being and, and maybe I'm a spiritual being having a human experience or I'm a human being having a spiritual experience but but I'm a being. I'm not a monster. I know for a lot of us that did incarceration, they told us we were monsters. And we felt like, well, if I'm a monster, then I know how to get you up off of me, and and, and all those things. So, at what point in your dual recovery did you take responsibility, and why? let to start with you, Ladarius.
3: Well, with me, I was in prison. Uh, I was doing drugs in prison too. I was, uh, they call it razzle. You know, I was, on, I was, I was doing meth in prison, and I remember uh, standing up. I remember standing up for I was up like six days. You know what I mean? With no sleep. And I thought and I and and I thought somebody I thought this dude had said something to me. You know what I mean? I thought I thought thought everybody was out to get me and trying to kill me. You know, so I had did some 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 crazy things, some evil things, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, to the to the individual and I hurt him up real bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's the that's when I when I started I said you know what I mean? I, I, when I, I left drugs alone for a minute, you know what I mean? Which I relapsed again, you know, what I mean? but I left alone for a minute, and I said, man, um, uh, I need some help, you know what I mean I need help and i so i stopped I stopped doing drugs for a while and, and and I started going to get treated for mental health,
2: yeah, you know what I mean, and they helped for a while too, you know yeah i'm I'm so grateful, um, what about you T? What point did you realize in your mental health or your dual diagnosis recovery, whatever that is? Because I know you were a shooter, you were a beat dog. You, but anyway, I'm sorry, I'm gonna tell you a recovery story, but let's <laughs> talk about it.
0: While while I was looking at the question or listening to the question, I was thinking about that, and I don't know that. I think when when I first got arrested with my kids in the car and them saying it that part for me was the part where I I recognized my addiction issue the mental health part I think it was somewhere in it was somewhere in sitting in uh what do they call it like a victim impact panel where I'm Hearing other people who have been affected by the things that I'm continuously doing. Yeah. Um, and realizing that, that I didn't see that anything wrong in what I was doing, but it was impacting other people. And then the whole I think being in that court program, the the part of the treatment that I did really engage was the fact that I was being educated that. This was a disease,
7: yeah, I
0: didn't know that I yes. didn't understand that. I'm just thinking, you know what I'm saying this is a lifestyle for me, you yes. know what I'm saying I didn't think it was I didn't think it was that deep. That's why I didn't think I needed help in the beginning, you yeah. know, and so when I started to look at and dig deeper in that in that whole process in my life, I started to dig deeper into well, why did I do these things, and you know taking trauma informed care classes and things like that, trying then I understand that mental health is bigger than just a diagnosis, right? Because I, I never had a clinical diagnosis because I never went to talk to nobody about what I was dealing with. Yeah. You know? So that that's when it happened for me. Going, you know, sitting sitting in um rooms where I was able to be educated on the other types of mental you know, mental yes. mental health challenges that we we kind of ignore or sweep under the rug yeah. on on a daily
2: basis. Yeah, you're yeah. Well, wow, that's super powerful. I, and you know, for me, you know, I had a major breakthrough in the Nami room. Right, I was in peer to peer, and when they were talking about the whole the science of addiction, the dopamine thing, and all that kind of stuff, I had this breakthrough. I realized today was the spiritual awakening as well. I thought I was a bad man. I I thought I was a bad person. I had been convinced. I had done bad things. I had been to bad places, bad things had happened to me. I was a bad man in in a bad world. And, And when I heard about the science of addiction, I realized I'm not a bad person, I'm a human being. That has something going on, and and then I I changed my paradigm to so what can I do about it? What can be done about it? And then, like to Chris's point, I realized that I need to get some help, and I realized that I had a bias against help because when I went to the doctor, I went back into the thing, right? I'm I man shit. I ain't talking to these people. you know, because when we was in the penitentiary, if you said I got some mental health challenges, they're gonna put you to sleep, right? And, and the penitentiary ain't some place where you won't be asleep, right? And and so I'm when you said mental health, I said I'm straight.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Um, so yeah, that that's a powerful thing. Um I wanna go into a different for time's sake. So today we are venturing into serving other people, whether it's it's in sponsorship, whether it's in recovery partnerships, whether it's in creating information systems, whether it's one-on-one peer support, whether it's crisis management, because we're part of a lot of different systems. We're partnering with law enforcement. We're partnering with co-responders. We're partnering with the judicial system. We're partnering with a lot of different internal management systems, and we come to the table as experts on what not to do, right? Or how to not do it like this, or what happens if you continue to do it like this, and these are some of the solutions that we found through working our program. So let me ask you a question, what what are some of the types of experiences you've had Working with other people or partnering with other people for them to find recovery, and I'm gonna start with you, Ladera.
3: Well, you know, I don't, I don't help people, people um, find jobs. You know, um, talk, talking with people when they going through certain certain issues or, what, or whatnot. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, with their their mental wellness and stuff like that. You know, I'm able to talk to them and coach them a little bit, and they coach me too. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like an each one teach one type of thing. Um, and, just, and just,
2: and just, and just, learning, you know? Yeah, and for me, one of the things that's important in the delivery of service and receiving services, even in the application of life, one of the things that's very important is balance. For human beings, homeostasis or balance is a very important thing. And that's why I'm a, a real advocate for those dimensions of wellness. Because, you know, to your point is we partner with other people and and we want to help people. And and that's a corrupted term because really we want to help people help themselves. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Because if I help you, then you might become dependent upon my help, not be able to help yourself. May you find them now. Right. So, you know, one of those things in helping people find balance and, and when people come to me and say, I want a job. One of the first questions that come through my mind is what happened to your last one? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And, and so, cause there's a different conversation you're going to have with somebody whose last job, the company dissolved, and now they don't have the job or the person that lost their job because they were dissolved stuff in the company. Right. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? So it's two different conversations. One of these things that I've learned in partnering with people is that sometimes there's no right answer we have to help people find those answers and for each man or each woman those answers may have different components may look a little different feel a little different move a little different so let me ask you a question marcus i know that you are making tremendous strides in your recovery awareness addressing progressing so how have the professional partnerships that you have, and and, and how have peer support and advocacy? Because you have people advocate for you, you advocate for yourself. You've been exposed to peer support. How has all that impacted your recovery? It has
4: had a major impact on my recovery, on my life. Period. Now that uh, now that I know. That it, it wasn't the drug that I had a problem with. It was something that I had been going through in my head and trying to medicate my mental with the drug that uh I didn't have the knowledge before I came to this place, grit and grace, and the crisis unit, and and um talking with the doc. And so uh, after doing that, I I realized that it it it's it's bigger than that. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And I had to do something about it. Cause if I don't do nothing about it, then I'm gonna go back to high medication Yeah. Bounce it out. So I found out what medicine I need to take, and I and I, I I I found the names of them, and I found out what they do, and I take them, you know, and it helps me, you know. It's funny that you talk about that because um, during this time I was at the uh, I was at the Grand Reco- uh, Grand Recovery, and I had an incident I thought about that happened way back in the day. And all of a sudden, my back got tight, and I I wanted to talk to somebody, but I I didn't know who to talk to. I was scared to talk to that person. You know, with me taking my medicine, I was able to get through that. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, because it's serious, real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So,
2: you know. and And thank you for sharing that, Marcus.
1: We are proud partners of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Rockdale-Newton chapter. NAMI Georgia is an organization of family, friends, and individuals whose lives have been affected by mental challenges. Together, we advocate for better lives for those individuals who have a mental challenge, and we offer support, education, and advocacy as we do so. Please visit the NAMI Georgia website at www.nami.org. NamiGeorgia.org, and if you are local to the rockdale newton area we would love to have you join the family for more information you can visit www.nami or follow their facebook page at nami rockdale newton
2: To ask you guys another question i know that we are in a cultural matrix
7: mm-hmm.
2: none of us were born in the same house in the same place at the same time none of that right and, and culture is influential i came from a warrior culture and they gave me some really bad information on how to face life and face the world matter of fact they gave me information That will get you directly to the penitentiary and you'll be high as hell when you go. And when you get there, you probably won't remember what actually happened all the way. Right. But you'll know that you're in a lot of trouble and and you'll probably say, "Okay, I need a plea bargain. Right. So how do you and I'm going to start with you. How does culture what are your thoughts on culture and diversity and how does that impact partnering with different people?
7: Yes, uh, that's that's a very good question for me. Due to the fact I was born in South America. Yes. And on the language barrier, I run into a guy named Lloyd. He started taking Started getting high. And he, he was very ashamed of going to any or any meeting. Number one, he's worried with his accent. Number two, he's worried about his clock. Yes. Now, the beautiful thing about recovery, A N N E, Miss Betty Crocker, at the door you leave his spoon. Yeah. So when you come in here, you are equal. There's no big eyes and little ewes. Yeah. So you're free to be honest about yourself. Yes. He'd be free to, like, I was free to say, listen, I had a mental issue because I would take my son to New York, lock him in the car, around him stairs to cop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was mental. Yeah. And my second step, going over with my sponsor, I was able to recognize it. Yes. I didn't recognize it before that. I just, for some reason, I thought it was a normal thing, but it wasn't. Now that i am guided to talk about balance, now that I have a balance, I know there's a time and place for everything. Thank God I'm clean. Yes. And being clean, I was able to help that brother in to get this. You have to get this, but your ass, not your face. Then you come into a, a meeting, Share exactly what's going on with you. Yes, you took your client's money and you spent it on drugs. Thank God they didn't disbar you. Yes, you could have been disbarred. Yes, you know what I mean. I said, I told him, I said, listen, there's a lot of other gift thanks for you know what I mean. And with 13 days clean is all out of time. I told him, you. you can say, only 13 days, not only. Don't ever use the word only. See, so you got 13 days clean. I'm in here to get help. Forget through here. Get what naked Yes. And yeah, that's what really helping. That's why he's doing real good now. You know what I mean? Years later. Because of going to the mission, get what Listen, I use my client's money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that comes from mental. That's right. you put the drugs in front of everybody. Like my man Sherry, he said, listen. I know when I use the drugs, I feel that. My mental situation is taking care but no, it's still there. What it does for me, what it did for me, it got larger.
2: Yeah.
7: I used. Because I keep talking. I had to take acid called drum And I'll be up for two days. And I thought it was normal. Yeah. But no, that wasn't normal. That was an insane behavior. Yes. And I recognize it when I came into the ruins. I didn't care who was in the room. I don't care who was here.
2: Black, white, Chinese, I said black. I started to get And I think you said something really powerful right there. It doesn't matter who else is in the room because my ass is on fire. fire. Okay. So, Chris, I, I want to go to you, Chris, because one of the things you, you said at first, and one of the things that keeps coming up, and is honesty. And, and so let me ask you a question, Chris. You partner with us on a lot of different levels. You've had partnerships over there on your living, where you used to live, where you live now. You come into our matrix and you see a very diverse group of providers Tanisha, myself, Lindsay, Ladarius, Carol. And, and so, how does culture, cultural awareness, honesty, and change? How does all that intersect in your mind?
6: For me, uh, I don't see color. You know, mm-hmm. I I look at people at face value besides their their skin color. You know, I've gone to school. I went to public school. I was probably one of the only white kids in most of my classes and everything. But that doesn't affect me. As far as the honesty, like with it's like I I come from not a not a total a complete family. You know, mm-hmm. i never know my father. You know, people always say that they make joke saying that's something that Black Americans face. And I don't know if it's you know if it's totally true, but you know I think all american space yeah, yeah, it's on the all american space but i don't I don't see I appreciate the culture, I appreciate respect it, and it does help me to uh to fit in to the recovery status. Because I see people who are from third world countries going through what I'm going through. People who've got, you know what I mean, cars and houses going through what I'm going through. That's right. People with cars and houses that haven't even reached recovery yet. That's right. So it, it, makes, me, it makes me realize that everybody can go into recovery, but not everybody chooses to, there you no go. matter where you come from.
2: That's good stuff right there. That, that's, that's good stuff right there, Chris. And, and I
6: never would have, I, to be quite honest, I probably would have never reached recovery if I hadn't gone to jail.
2: That's right. Me too.
6: <laughs> because I was, I was reaching out mental health wise, I was going to keep something that goes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I got a nudge from a judge and that changed my world as well. Uh, so let me ask you a question, Simca. How do you see uh, culture... And, and we understand that culture is bigger than color. Culture is about beliefs. It's about ethnicity. It's about religion. It's about the, the environment. It's about learning what you've learned and what you need to unlearn and what, what you can't learn and all those kind of things. Um, what, does, what are your thoughts on how culture and diversity impacts level of work? Um, I believe that some
5: people are raised... Way where, if you let's say you have older parents, like I have older parents, so their viewpoints on mental health is way different from someone younger. Like, I just had a conversation with my mother yesterday, and we were just talking about how um, I didn't feel like she was emotionally there in my childhood. And she was explaining, you know, like she's, she's an advocate for mental health now, but at the same time, I feel like people are advocates, but when it's happening in their family or the household. They don't notice it, you know, or they they're like turn the ear because they don't understand it. Yes, she, she explained it. she's like I don't understand fully, you know. But um, came to a, an agreement that you know if I need to ever go to her, she's available. But again, like culture, if you're raised a certain way, if yeah. your parents raised or certain ser- raised a certain way, you're gonna think of, you're gonna think of a certain way. And I believe that the younger generation. We're more open about mental health mm-hmm. and advocacy.
2: I'm always talking about, you know, if you need someone to talk to, like crash family, I'm here. Um, so, that's what I yeah, that Yeah, that's super powerful. Um, and one of the things about working in this field is you learn that <laughs> every question may have more than one answer. You know what I mean? and, and more than one right answer. And, and the yeah, man, sometimes the questions are harder than the answers. And when you take a test and the questions are harder than the answers, you probably get the answers wrong if you didn't understand the question. You know what I mean? I, I just, a lot of things. With that being said, Tanisha, how does culture impact recovery in your mind?
0: For me, and I like I, I really like um, what Simca was kind of getting at with the generations, because in my mind, I I look at it because i grew up in an area that was predominantly black at first you know that was where i lived um and i got in trouble i got in fights i had you know anger issues all this stuff and the first thing my mom did was put me on a bus m M&M the m bus oh you're going out to Dumb-Willy to go to school you know what i'm saying so you know and and just just looking at the culture of you know, I I don't think that where I, my family, my parents growing up, they didn't show a lot of emotions. You know, but they also didn't address. They kind of shut you up in a way. You know, and I don't know. This is that's that's the I guess power in us having you know what I'm saying diversity in the room. I could just think it it would happen in in my house. But I see you nodding because you know what I'm saying you you must agree, so it may not have just been my culture, but that's all I know, right and if I don't sit at the table with somebody else to find out what it was like living in your house, and if your parents did the same thing then i don't I don't right so you know for me i always I always just thought that it was that generational thing my my parents don't understand me, I can't talk to them because my my age group was children are seen and not heard you know what I'm saying true, true. so you don't talk about what you you know and then I get you, then, you know exactly and so when my kids express themselves to me right. I don't do that you know I, I allow them to express themselves and we have a conversation around it but other older people might look at it and be like oh them kids are <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: but I picture up
0: but I know where my kids heart are heart is. I know where my kids' mind are. You know, at the time, whereas me growing up, my mama probably didn't know I was going to go out and follow this girl home off the bus that evening, you know, and, and go get in a fight because she didn't know because I couldn't talk to her. So that's, that's all. I kind of went back to that whole generational thing yes. and and the cultures. and I guess I, I do want to open up because Carol was not because I was saying that in my household that that I thought just because of where I lived and the people I was brought up by, that we were kind of we didn't get to express anything about our mental health and all yeah. of that. But I saw Carol nodding, and so I said, "You know, this this is the importance of having different diversities at the table because I don't know what happened in her household yep. because I only I assumed that only yep. people like me <laughs> went yep. through." stuff like that because yeah. I'm only in that household. You know what
2: I'm saying? So, I don't know. That's right. And, and culture, when when you become more culturally enlightened, more culturally agile, and th- today we're starting to practice cultural hum- humility because this is something that's interesting because I grew up in some very dire circumstances. I grew up in an orphanage. I grew up in lack. I grew up in the mud. And And when I went, I remember we went over to somebody's house and they had soda, cases of soda. Stacked up in this room, right? And, and we went over to the little dude's house and he said, Y'all want some soda? I'm like, Yeah, you got soda? Yeah, because we, we drink Kool Aid yeah, with no sugar. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You got soda? Yeah. He said, Come on, you can pick out the one you want. Like, ah! and, and he took us down and we seen all the sodas and that. Obviously, later on, we robbed them, but that's not the point. <laughs> that's, yes, sir got to go back and get them. You understand what I'm saying? So you got to understand culture uh, and you got to understand that uh, what, and this is one of the biggest things for me to understand is I became a service provider. And that's why I have a team that's very diverse. Trauma is real. Trauma-informed care is real. And even in my best efforts, we represent some person's most traumatic event they've ever had in their life, it was you. (laughs) Or somebody that they feel like you represent. And so that's why it's so important that we open up our minds and our hearts to really understand that it's bigger than just us.
0: We would like to thank our leader, Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams, the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, along with other numerous partners and stakeholders that are taking the initiative to create change for the Rockdale County Recovery Community. We know that it takes all parts of a community to carry out this vision and together we are stronger.
2: So I want to ask you another question, uh, Ladarius. Why do you think it's important that we, as persons in recovery and as providers, that we share our story? Because you know people
3: can learn from from the stuff that you've been through. You know your trauma. You know your um, your addiction problems. You know people people can learn from it. You know what I mean they don't have to make the no same mistakes. That's right. As you made. Mm. You know what I
2: mean. So that's right. That's that's a. That's, that's right. Important. Because they may not get the greasy grace that helped us make, make it through that place, ain't it? Because and, and some people die before they get through the hole. You understand what I'm saying? Or before they get to the hole or before they get out the hole. So, that's right. Marcus, why do you think it's so important that we share our stories? Because some people just don't know.
4: That's right. They don't know where to get the help from. They don't know that they need help. That's right. Uh, uh, it's important, man. It's important.
2: You never know who you may be helping. That's right. Simka. why do you think it's so important that we share our stories?
5: I think it's important because it helps people realize that they're not alone.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
5: And sometimes people are similar. Sometimes people are different, but at the same time, it, reali- it makes them realize we're all going We're yeah. not alone.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Chris, why do you think it's so important that people share their story?
6: I feel like in recovery, everybody wants to hear a good story. Yeah. It helps the time fly. You know, and uh, it's, it's appreciated by a lot of people. And like it just sometimes what you need is a good story to just keep going for the rest of the day. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and I don't know about anybody else because today I look through a different lens than I've ever looked through before. I want to know about you. I used to not want to know about you. The only thing I wanted to know is you got some money. Yeah, but you take me down the street. And will you wait till I, I just got to go talk to my aunt, I'll be right back out. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking to to my cousin, I'll be right back, right? And, and now, do you, do you have a lighter? I, was, I didn't really want to know about you. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And they said, they, I, I don't know, they, they felt like I was crying. And said, I, was, I just said, hey, man, I'm just saying, I, so? I said, all. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? And I remember when I was in that, that thing, uh, I didn't want to share no information. Carol, why do you think it's important that we tell our story?
8: For me, when I heard your story, it kind of gave me hope because I didn't think I had any hope. I didn't think there was anything else I could do. I had just got out of prison. I'd been there five years. And I felt hopeless, you know. I figured I'm fixing to go back to prison or I'm going to get back on the streets and, you know, be high all the time. But when you told me your story, it kind of opened something up inside of me where I was like, well, maybe I can do this. And I kind of tiptoed into it. But, you know, I I met Tanisha and I heard her story. And yeah, yeah, and I was like, maybe I can do something like that. And here I am. Yes. And I hope that I'm giving other people hope by them hearing my story.
2: Absolutely. And that's the biggest part. Because... And it happened for me in the rooms of N.A. And, and it happened for me in this arena here at the Court. If I would have never seen one, I don't think I would have ever been able to be one. Because I don't learn like that. I can't read about it in a book and then fly an airplane. I, that's not the way I learn. I learn if I see one, then I steal your shit and then I can do it. You understand what I'm saying? I think about when I used to, all my shit used to go in the can. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying you're older to me. <laughs> you understand? And dudes make a hole with his earring. I'm like, I am make a hole with this, this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, make a hole smaller, man. So I learned by watching other people learn the social learning theory. And, and today I learned how to be sober. I learned how to be a good man. I learned how to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Carol, when I heard your story, it changed my life as well. So anyway, with that being said, let me go to one more thing. I know that for some of us, we encountered certifications that waived our criminal history so we could go to work. I know that some of us, I don't know for me, this being my job is a miracle because I got a job that locks me into recovery. I got a job that I can't do this high. I got a job that, that I'm responsible and, and that responsibility is so great that I won't put you on the pipe and smoke you. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and I got a responsibility to Marcus and, and that responsibility, I honor it is big. You follow me? And, and so as a result of that, there, I'm not just getting ready to throw it away because I know when I throw it away, throw you away. I throw a system of belief away. I throw a lot of good work away and, and, and I can't do that. So I want to ask you Tanisha, being a, Certified peer specialist, uh, certified addiction specialist, uh, certified blah, 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 all those things. How have those certifications impacted your life?
0: I talk about this all the time. I was, you know, in my previous lifestyle, all I was worried about was money. You know what I'm saying? It was just, I was crowned the hustle queen, right? And so that's all all I did. As long as I had multiple streams of income, Peer support, though, like the certifications, all of that stuff, I never would have imagined that the lifestyle that I used to live would qualify me, right? Yeah, that would be the thing, yeah. the qualification to be able to change my life. You know, yeah, I, I ne- To me, that just every time I say it, it makes me like. It's what? Funny. That's so, it's so crazy. Like, look, yeah. for all the people out there who think y'all is good in two shoes, you ain't never been locked up, ain't never smoked nothing, ain't never did this, you ain't qualified to do what yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right.
7: Right.
2: Right.
0: That's where I'm at. You know, I'm. I'm so grateful for that. I'm yeah. so grateful that there was a plan on my life that everything that I went through
2: could be used. Yes. Some things other. come together for yeah. the of those, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, Ladarius, what about you? How do you think, and I know you're, you're ready to go at your certification, and so I, the question I'm going to ask you is, why, let me get this question right, why do you want to achieve a certification of spiritual interest? Cause
3: I wanna continue my education, you know, get a get a get a better understanding in the um the ideology. Yeah. You know what I mean? The concept on how to be a better version of myself. Um, how can I help people? Yeah. You know what I mean? That like I say all the time, face the same challenge that I once faced in life and still face in life. Yeah. You know? because it's like, Oh, so
2: uh-huh. I think that's super cool. and I, I'll never forget the day that me and Carol laughed about when we found out that you were an undercover nerd. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hey, look, I said one day Carol laughed or something. Anyway, and he said, he sent this other thing back. He said, well, here, I created this, and what do you think? Do you think this will work? I said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> nerd, that's right. So with that being said, man, uh, I am so grateful that we had the chance to have this courageous conversation. And, and I want to ask y'all one more question before we get out the door. What was your biggest takeaway from this conversation that we had today? And I'm gonna start with you, Chris.
6: Relate to others and stick, stick to your regiment. Yes. New regiment, your clean regiment. Yes. Yes.
2: What about you, Simka? What, what was your, and, and just say as loud as gay, <laughs> what was your big takeaway from today, from this?
5: Biggest takeaway from today was that even though we all had the same questions, being um, mean, everybody had a different viewpoint, but it all tied in together.
2: Yes, 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 yes. What about you, Marcus? What was your big takeaway from
4: this courageous conversation? I speak to the, take your meds, find out your meds, find out your... your... The diagnosis if you feel unbalanced don't get your meds find out what yes. they do, with and take them correct yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah don't them. hide man you can't hide from this thing there's no to of person it'll mm-hmm. kill you or you'll kill somebody else and we don't have to live in misery you don't have to suffer you yes. can be free on the inside and the outside carol what's your big takeaway from this courageous conversation
8: For me, it it always kind of comes back to the same thing in groups is it's another connection that I've made with each person. I've learned more about each person and that's helped me and will help me when I'm dealing with people.
7: And what about you? What was your biggest takeaway? The biggest thing I got, I learned more about myself first thing and I learned more. Like she said, good answer. She said, we all have the same questions. But we ought ought to have our own answers. Yeah, and all answers, every answer was correct. Yeah, you me no saying? wrong answer. And yeah. I like I like how he said honesty. And you say it all the time, God. That's one of the special things you know. in theocratic Yeah, honest. Yeah, you know? and beautiful things. It's good to be a nerd. There's nothing wrong with that. That's right. Let me tell Show you, it. there's nothing wrong with that. I rather be a nerd so you than You want to call you a square from nowhere. <laughs> it's fine, <laughs> you know, because what well, is being yourself? That's right. And one of the biggest things I got for me is being Reggie. Yeah. Be me. Yes. It's so easy. Yes. I know my likes, my dislikes. I know the ladies I like. I know the smell I like. I know the color I like. Yes. I love more, but myself. Yes. I'm not trying to run to the store for him because I don't want to come back for something to get yeah. out. Yeah. I'm not doing stuff with like that anymore. Yeah. I know what to say no, I know what to say yes. Yes. I let my no be no, I'm a yes be no. Yes. The what? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I say that all the time. That's what I'm talking about. Let no. me see. Who have I asked? Tanisha. Okay. What was your big takeaway from what you're
7: talked about? This? My big takeaway, I mean I
0: just there's an energy in the room that that really speaks to me you know um, I love having all of the uh, different different aspects you know different different people to be able to chime in I love to be able to hear the, the voice of our future like yes our, our youth I love hearing that yeah. and I love the fact that um, like you said it, that it's so many, it's so many um, of them and their generation that yes. are focused on yes. mental health and the other things that we were not, we were not, uh, we were ignoring and they're exposing it, you yes. know? Right. Yes. And I think that's powerful.
2: That's a powerful point. And that's one of the things about culturally agile services is because this is a different world.
8: hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: There's information. Well, Joe, we share information in a whole different way today.
4: Man.
2: See, back in the day, we might be able to be greasy and get away with some shit because if nobody saw it, then but yet you understand what I'm saying? Today, that oh yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and they said, Man, guess what? So-and-so died. I just seen it on Facebook. You, you, you feel me? When we was doing our grease, there was no Facebook. No. I don't even, there wasn't no internet. <laughs> you know, so that's one of the things where we have to learn, because to to my daughter, clicking and swiping, and she's five years old, and, and she, yeah, she's doing all that, right? And, and when I came in here, the only thing I knew about a computer, I'll spare you all that, but I wasn't looking up no, you know, young. Yeah. say what my- a computer virus. You know what I'm saying? So times are changing and we got to change with them. We've got to get this communication out there. So when I look this morning and I see we've done 127 radio shows and if you figure out how many weeks in a year and if we've done 127, that means we've been choking at this thing for a minute. And for that, I'm grateful. And with that, I'm going to say for all the people out there in Radio Land, we appreciate your support. We appreciate your letters. We appreciate your requests. We appreciate your testimonies. Shout out to the dudes of Germany we will never forget that y'all are online listening to us. Shout out to Hurricane Maine and Category 10 Entertainment. And shout out to all the people who have lent their voice to deliver these messages. These And like I always say, we had a treat for you, and if you can't, fat cat, you can't get your money back. Anyway, with that being said, Tanisha, tell all the people out there in Radio Land how they can get this message
0: of course i want to encourage everyone to create positive connections and know that we are here to be one of those positive connections so we invite you all to stay connected with us you can do that by going to visit our website which is rockdale stepping and then when you go to the bottom of that webpage you click on the little Stay Connected tab. That Stay Connected tab will take you to a library of our monthly newsletters. On each one of those newsletters, you will get a Commissioner's Corner, which is a message from Dr. Doreen Williams talking about the Stepping Up Initiative and everything that we're doing here in the Rockdale County Recovery Community. And in the community as a whole, we also have a video of a person in recovery, which we have selected as the champion of recovery, and they're telling their story and their recovery journey. Also, we select a champion of change, which is a partner in our our community who is advocating for positive change and creating positive change within our community. We have several different recovery resources in there. We usually have an app in there that helps support you in your recovery. We also have all of our events and announcements in there as well. We also invite you to follow Grit and Grace on all of their social media platforms. They're listed on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, all under Grit and Grace RCO. And if you want to keep hearing these messages, the ones just like you've heard today, tune in to Category 10 ENT. I believe it's cat 10 ENT on the his hop network every Wednesday at 12 noon and Thursdays at 1 p.m. If you cannot tune in at those times, we do have a podcast and we're available on seven different platforms. We're on anchor breaker, Google podcast, pocket cast, radio, public Spotify, and iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts. So y'all keep coming back.
1: Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you
0: hold.